In today's show, we're looking at the Minnesota Timberwolves, a very interesting squad for this upcoming season. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Happy birthday to Magic Johnson on this August the 14th. We know who Magic Johnson is. I don't need to tell you anymore. It's his birthday. Have a good day. Magic. All right. We're going to talk Wolves with the host of the Locked On Wolves podcast. Ben Beacon is here, and they are a team that has undergone significant upheaval. So we'll talk about how that is all going to play out, Like, I guess. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> all right. Let's bring him back in. It is Ben Beacon, the host of the Locked On Timberwolves podcast. Ben, welcome. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you on. This is a really interesting squad, of course. They did make some noise in the postseason um, last year and big moves for Minnesota Timberwolves in the offseason. And we might as well just get straight into that because, of course, they executed a trade that we'll guess we'll find out what happens with that over the next few years where they gave away just tons of draft assets and rotation players in order to bring in Rudy Gobert. That's not the only move they made in the offseason, though, Ben. Rudy Gobert comes in, Kyle Anderson, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers. Then there's CJ Allaby, Eric Paschal, and then there's Josh Minot and Wendell Moore out of the draft. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about Gobert later on. So while he is the big acquisition, we don't need to rehash the cost of the trade or anything like that. I want to talk more about some sort of guys on the periphery here, like the, the Kyle Andersons and the Austin Rivers. You expect them to play your know, sizable rotation roles? Yeah, absolutely. I think Kyle Anderson will effectively be the sixth man uh, for the, for this team. I think that they're going to rely on him as a secondary playmaker, um, basically what he did in Memphis. Uh, you know, he was able to play you know, with John Morant. He was able to, to essentially initiate offense with the second unit there. I think that's what he's going to do in Minnesota. I think he's going to come off the bench, assume that sixth man type role. He can play with D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards and allow them to kind of be the shoot first players that they really want to be. And, and slow-mo can, can both, you know, he can score off the dribble a little bit. Um, he can, he's not a great shooter, but he can shoot the three a little below league average. You know, he, he can do a little bit of everything. Um, and I think he's going to, he's going to do a lot. The other, um, the other guys, was it Austin Rivers? Is that the other name you mentioned? Yep. Yeah, he. I, I. I'm not sure. You know, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. It's. It's hard to say what the rotation is going to look like. He's on a minimum contract. I think he's probably like the 11th man right now. Honestly, I think the backcourt minutes are going to go to more Jalen Noel, uh, Jordan McLaughlin. I think it's going to depend a little on matchups. Now Rivers may play himself into the rotation. I, obviously, he's a favorite of Tim Connolly, the new president of basketball operations with the Wolves, and uh, played for him in Denver the last couple of seasons. But so we'll see. I think he's going to be kind of on the fringe of the rotation. What about the guys that, that they lost? There's Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, then there was Greg Munro, Josh Kogi, Leandro Balmaro. Who, I would say, who do they miss the most? But it's more like, which player have they maybe not replaced with the guys coming in? Like, what skill set are they going to be lacking out of the guys that they lost this season? That's a really good question. I, I think I think it's, um, 
I think probably Patrick Beverly. I, I'm a little torn between Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt. I think Beverly because of the identity thing that, you know, the um, the identity he gave the team, the the edge that he plays with the chip on his shoulder that he has. And also the fact that he was such a good on-ball defender. Uh, the, the Wolves don't have a perimeter on-ball defender. Jaden McDaniels, yes, is a very good defender. He's a little long. He, you know, he, he isn't quite quick enough laterally to guard most ones, uh, but he can guard twos, threes, and fours. So you're missing that, that kind of guy who can guard ones and twos and be an interchangeable combo guard that's a plus defender. Anthony Edwards is very good on the ball. D'Lo was okay last year, but he's obviously nowhere near Patrick Beverly's skill level. Jordan McLaughlin's too little. He's okay, but too small. Jalen Noel's a bad defender, and Bryn Forbes is a bad defender. So, I mean, you're missing that kind of guy who can guard ones and twos and also give you that edge, I think, is probably probably the biggest thing. Yeah, I think it probably is Pat Bev as well, just you know, having that defensive guy who can play alongside uh, D'Angelo Russell, which he did so often last season. Of course, he was a starter for the majority of the season. Um, yeah, next to D'Angelo Russell, that is, it's going to be hard to be able to um, to replace that sort of guy because he is quite a unique player across the NBA yeah. landscape. Now, I was going through this roster. Maybe you can correct me on this, Ben, but, but I think heading into the season, I think we're all clear on injuries with this team. I don't think there's anything that we need to be like checking in on. Is this guy ready to go at, at this point? I, th- I think everything's okay. Yeah, you're right. Towns had um, he had the the platelet injections or whatever in his knees shortly after the offseason. I think a minor cleanup surgery and some injections. So that's I guess would be really the only thing. Uh, late last season, Anthony Edwards kind of had some ankle you know stuff bothering him, but nothing that carried you know nothing that kept him off the floor down the stretch in the regular season of the playoffs. So, grand scheme of things, yeah, uh, it's it's a pretty good looking medical report as of right now. That's great because you just don't get that happening all that often to have a situation where they don't really have any injury concerns. Heading into the season, um, we're going to talk about starting lineups and rotations in just a sec. But I'm first of all, I've got to tell you about BetOnline.net, which of course is your easiest and fastest way to check for all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. There's reviews and news for every league, whether that's the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, or even golf. BetOnline continues to be that top online resource for all of your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they have you covered. Are you a Vikings fan, Ben? I'm actually not. I'm actually not. I don't know if I'm I'm not. It's the only Minnesota sports team I'm not a fan of. I'm, uh, but every other Minnesota sports team, I wish you would ask me about almost any other sport. <laughs> well, I'm only saying this because there is a Vikings preseason game coming up against the Las Vegas Raiders, and they are underdogs in that game. So for those of you who care about preseason football, the Vikings are playing a game coming up. All right, so I, I'm assuming you're a Minnesota Twins fan then. So how? Uh, well, yeah, Absolutely. I guess you can find their odds for the playoffs over on BetOnline. I have no idea where they sit in the standings. Is there any hope for them? There is. They're tied for first right now, or they, maybe half game back. They're right. They've been in first most of the season. So yes, there, there's some hope. Well, maybe you don't even look at playoff odds. You can look at World Series odds for the all-conquering Minnesota Twins. You can do that all over at Bet Online. They've got everything you need: live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. So head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to check out all of the action that's happening today. Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, your starting five. Again, I don't really think with some of these teams, there's just really not much to debate here. And I don't really think there's much to debate with this starting five, Ben. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The Actually, the top four guys in terms of minutes per game last season is were D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, not in this order, but Jane McDaniels, Carlton Town. So you're looking at the four guys who played the most per game last season, plus Rudy Gobert, who's an all-NBA all-star three-time defensive player of the year. So that's going to be the starting five. Now, Jaden McDaniels played a lot of three last season off the bench, uh, but he has mostly played the three under Chris Finch. um, And everybody else is going to be in that same role, except for obviously Towns bumping down to the four. But, um, you know, obviously, uh, otherwise you're looking at 
four guys who played a ton for this team last year. For those people who are watching this show for fantasy, which I'm sure is most people, people will be a little bit worried about Towns and Gobert's pairing because Towns has been a top five to 10 fantasy player for years and years and years. And pushing a little bit further away from the rim, the fear is that he loses some rebounding, he loses some uh, shots blocked, he maybe sees less shots around the rim. Do you think they're all genuine concerns next to playing next to Gobert that he will see dips in those numbers? I think sh- shot blocking, yes. He, he never had huge shot blocking no. numbers for centers, but but uh, yes, I, I think rebounding actually, I mean, it took a pretty big dip for him last year anyway, and yeah. that's because they were trying to keep him away from the basket to try and keep him out of foul trouble. Other teams were trying to get him in pick and roll action, um, and the Wolves were trying to protect him. They weren't playing drop coverage. He was blitzing on the perimeter more often, and so he just wasn't near the rim, which is one of the reasons the Wolves were such a bad defensive rebounding team. Now with Rudy Gobert, I, you know, I, I think... I think it'll probably be similar to last year. I don't know that it's really going to get much worse. I think it's probably still going to be a nine to 10 rebounds per game situation for towns. We know that Russell and Edwards and towns and go they're going to start. And the assumption is the McDaniels will start. I agree with that, but is there, you talk about Kyle Anderson being a sixth man, which you know, I agree with too, but could he crack into that starting lineup? Could Tori and Prince play the three? Could they go more offensively minded and maybe, you know, slot Jalen Noel and push Edwards back to the three, which he played all season. Are there any of those possibilities? I think all those are possible. Um, I, I doubt Noel starts mostly because he needs the ball in his hands offensively, as do Russell Edwards. The nice thing about McDaniels is he can be likely the fifth option in the starting lineup, right? Um, so he doesn't need the ball in his hands, but he can be dynamic with the ball. Uh, Prince and Anderson are both lower usage type options. I think Anderson, again, will initiate enough with the second unit that I think they probably want to keep him because they don't have like a surefire great backup point guard like last year you had pat bev who started for most of the year but ran the second unit this year you have jordan mclaughlin austin rivers you know jalen noel probably run some offense but kyle anderson will be that guy i think prince there's a possibility he starts here and there maybe it's matchups you know maybe he's the first guy and if somebody sits with an injury uh because he can guard uh, you know most threes and fours he can initiate a little bit of offense and create for himself um so i think if there if there was to be a change prince may actually be the next man up for in terms of starters Let's look at a projected sort of five-man bench rotation. You've gone with Jordan McLaughlin, um, Austin Rivers, Jalen Noel, Torian Prince, and Kyle Anderson. And I am going to cover this later, but I'll do it now. As you can see, there's no center in that group. So we're not yeah. ex- we're not expecting Naz Reed there. It's just going to be a lot of Towns and Gobert staggering, I'm guessing. that That's what I think will happen. Um, and, and I think this is really going to be matchup-based, which is I know Naz Reed's kind of a, one of those, if Carl Anthony Towns is out, pick him up for fantasy, play him in daily fantasy, yep. whatever you got to do. Um, I think that's still true if either Towns or Gobert misses a game, but he's not going to have a regular rotation spot. I don't think. I, I do think, like you said, I think Towns and Gobert start together. Certainly, they're going to be staggered. They're each going to play 30 to 34 minutes a game. You know, maybe there's a couple of minutes here and there, but I don't think Nas is a rotation guy. I've been saying for a while in Lockdown Wolves, it wouldn't shock me if they ended up trading him for, you know, a couple second rounders or something. He's got a fantastic deal. He's actually free agent after the season. So I don't know that he's in that you know, that top 10, he might be the 11th or 12th guy. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's really hard to see where he's going to get minutes. Yeah. I think it's him and Bryn Forbes are sort of on the outside looking in, depending on, on what they need, but look, say Towns misses time or Gobert misses time. Do you think they would put Reed in there to maintain the structure of the two bigs or would they go with a Prince or an Anderson starting at the four and then Towns at the five or Gobert at the five, depending on who's out? 
That's a good question. I, I think probably Anderson at the four. I think that's where he's going to see most of his minutes. Um, I, the way I've kind of penciled it in is Anderson is basically the backup four. Prince is basically the backup three. Um, and then Townsend Gobert are staggered and, and open and close games together, maybe play a little in the middle together. Um, but yeah, I think Kyle Anderson is going to be kind of that four. That's a bit of a Swiss army knife and, and Prince, you know, he's, he's, his best position is also at the four, but um, you know, Chris Finch loves big lineups. Obviously, this is a huge team. I think Prince is going to play a lot at the three as well. It is a huge team. You're right about that. Um, all right. Let's talk about some younger guys who probably aren't going to play much this season. Mainly Josh Minot, because I thought he was really impressive in summer league, especially that first game. The shot sort of disappeared after that. Yeah. But do you think that, and this is yeah, my sort of pre-draft analysis of him was like, I'm getting a lot of Jared Vanderbilt vibes here. And then yep. he was drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves. So is it just like, hey, we're going to develop you to become Jared Vanderbilt and you know, slide in eventually ahead of Yatorian Prince and Kyle Anderson in a few years' time? That's sort of who he is, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. I, that's almost That was pretty much exactly what I said on Lockdown Wolves, actually, is that he was you know, maybe a little bit smaller, more of like a, a, a three version of Vanderbilt versus a four version of Vanderbilt. Um, he's, I, I think he could play small ball four at the NBA level, but I think with the way the Wolves play, he's more of a three. He reminds me a little bit also of like Brandon Clark um, in terms of offensive rebounding, can pass the ball a little bit, um, developing a jumper still. But yeah, I, I think if there's, you know, he's he's deep, you know, maybe the last guy in the rotation right now, except for maybe Nate Knight. Um, but he, uh, I, I think if he gets a shot, you know, hopefully this isn't, isn't the case, but last season there was, you know, the COVID thing where all of a sudden they had like seven guys, you know, he's one of those that he, if he gets into a game, he's going to pick up all those hustle stats, steals, blocks, um, you know, assists, going to get a lot of dunks in transition, you know, be an efficient player, I think for the most part. So, you know, maybe not this year, but in a year or two, I think it's, they're looking for that Vanderbilt, Brandon Clark type energy, you know, do it all type role um, that can, you know, crash the glass on both ends of the floor, or just provide athleticism. Um, he's he's going to be pretty intriguing. I think he's a really interesting player. And he, I think he's a yep. steal at pick 45 and uh, really like how he's going to have that opportunity to develop. We are going to talk a little bit about Anthony Edwards later on, but of course he's on this list. He's under 22. So it's Jada McDaniel. So a, a little bit younger. He's going to have that opportunity now. People love, oh, look, young player. He's going to get this starting chance. So people in fantasy are going to get excited. About him. But as you mentioned earlier, he is probably going to be that fifth offensive option, which doesn't leave a ton of usage when there are some other high usage guys there. And it's not like he's going to be the main rim protecting option when Townsend Gobert are on the court. So I fear that a lot of what he's going to do is not really going to show up in the stat sheet. Or is there something where you can think he can really like nah, establish himself and he's going to start you know, taking seven threes a game and just being a spot-up guy and just bombing him from the corner? Or he's going to really become hyper-aggressive and become the secondary rim protector as Towns isn't doing as much of that? Like, What do you see him being able to do apart from playing his role? Like, Is there anything he could sort of blow up in in this expanded minutes role for him this season? It's it's tough. I I tend to think it's the former. I think he's going to be a, a just because of you know they added guys who who want the ball and are going to have the ball in their hands. Primarily Rudy Gobert, also Kyle Anderson. I, I you know Jaden McDaniel's doesn't initiate offense. He's going to be a catch and shoot guy mostly. Now we started to see last season the Wolves challenged him last summer league after his rookie year. Like hey, learn to put the ball on the floor. You know be aggressive when you get the opportunity. So. His, his second season, he was much improved with catch and shoot or drive to the basket. He kind of eliminated the mid-range jumper. That was He would take a couple dribbles and just launch a contested two. He's now at least kind of got, got it down in terms of processing the NBA game. Uh, the catch and shoot three-point numbers went up significantly year one to year two. So I think there is some upside there. The shot looks good. Um, he was 
he was pretty good above the break. He's just got to improve a little bit in the corners. I think he'll get a, a lot of opportunities in the corners. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's all this talk. I, of course, the big rumor was that the Wolves refused to include him in a trade for Gobert. They instead included how many other first rounders instead of Jade McDaniels. And, you know, he was in the, you know, you know, everybody thinks he's got a ton of trade value around the league and all this stuff. And I think that that's probably true. It's just funny because like, like we said, he's likely the fifth option in the starting lineup. And, and, I'm imagining Chris Finch will play him with the second unit some and try and get him some run there where he can be a bit more aggressive, but it's all going to be about whether or not he can knock down open threes. If he can knock down open threes, um, he's going to give you steals and blocks defensively. He's fantastic with chase down blocks with trail blocks, um, help side defense really, really good. I don't know that he does enough to be valuable from a fantasy perspective, but maybe if he's knocking down threes, then as the season goes on, maybe he gets, more opportunities to do that within the offense. Uh, there's certainly a ton of upside there. I just would be a little nervous about, about there's just so much, so many guys that need the ball on this team. There's a lot of buzz with him last preseason and people were like reaching into the top 100 to grab him. And in the end, like you know, yeah. Vanderbilt was starting ahead of him and that was always going to be that risk. Now it feels that he is going to start, but again, like what, what is he actually providing um, in big volume when there are so many other people in this starting five who are going to sort of be doing that same thing. Not that he's not valuable, not that he's not good, but there are sometimes he tends to get overvalued just because of, you know, we love what he can do and there's some you know, defensive flash plays and he's young and yep. the development's yep. been great, but we have to temper some of that stuff, I think, uh, I think a little bit moving forward. And uh, the other guy, this is Wendell Moore. I don't think we're going to see really much of him this season, especially with guys like McDaniels and Prince and Noel and Anderson, all those guys who can sort of play a similar role ahead of him. Yeah, and and uh, Tim Connolly, uh, basketball operations president, said basically exactly that after the draft. He's, he said, we didn't draft these guys to play this year. We're a playoff team. You know, almost that's not verbatim, but it's not far off. He, he just came out and said, yeah, we're not going to rely on, on rookies. Um, you know, obviously there's there look at a couple years down the road and, and Connolly and the, when he was with the nuggets, they did a great job drafting late in the first round into the second round, obviously. Um, and you know, maybe next year, year after Prince is a, you know, could leave after this year. There's, there's a bunch of guys that roster turnover that could happen. I just don't think he's, going to see much run this season as a rookie. No, I'd be pretty surprised if we saw much of him at all. Yeah. All right. So what's the plan with this team if D'Angelo Russell is out? Because yeah, he's sort of a, a unique player and he does get hurt a, a quite a bit across his career. They lost their backup point guard in Patrick Beverly. They lost one of their shooting guards in Malik Beasley, a, a role that Russell sort of played both of those roles. Um is there confidence that Jordan McLaughlin can just step in and play 32 minutes and be that guy who runs things? Would they just say, well, Anthony Edwards, now you're our de facto point guard and we'll, we'll stick other big wings and guards around you? Like, is there, because in the past, there hasn't really been that confidence in McLaughlin. They know they let him hang out as a two way restricted free agent for like months last season. And it seemed there was yep. you know, weirdness in bringing him back. Like, is there faith that he, he is the guy now, he's the backup. And if something happens, we are comfortable starting him? Or is there other ways they would go? I, I do think it's going to be more reliant on Anthony Edwards and, you know, others to initiate offense uh, more so than Jordan McLaughlin, maybe Austin rivers. This could be partly why he was brought in, um, you know, in the event Delo's sitting rest or, or, you know, nagging injuries, et cetera, start Austin rivers, let Anthony Edwards initiate more offense and probably leave Jalen Noel in a bench role, you know, more of a six man type, uh, you know, uh, type microwave score off the bench position. Um, Noel ran some offense off the bench last year, but I, I don't think they would start him at point guard. They may try starting McLaughlin at point guard. Um, I mean, we saw at the end of the the 
series against Memphis last year, McLaughlin did get the opportunity to play crunch time minutes ahead of D'Angelo Russell. So there is a level of trust there. I just think he gets it's overextended a little bit. He's one of those guys where for a certain amount of time, he can be really effective. He's he's you know, he's kind of like a light version of Tyus Jones, great assist to turnover ratio, solid defender, but undersized, not a great shooter, um, you know, but but can hold his own from outside the arc as well. So I think the plan is probably more Austin Rivers starts, Anthony Edwards initiates, and then you leave your bench unit basically the same, which is kind of why I think Rivers may be that, you know, 10th, 11th guy where he doesn't get consistent run unless somebody's missing and that he's that veteran that can step in, right the sh- or keep the ship righted, I guess. Um, McLaughlin remains your backup point guard. Jalen Noel remains your backup two that can initiate offense off the bench alongside Kyle Anderson. Um, and that's probably the role um, that Austin Rivers would be in is, is stepping into Delos to fill his role if needed. Is Anthony Edwards the number one option on offense now? Man, that's a, that's a tough question. I, I, I think so. I, yes. Um, and I say that because I, I think that it's, it's really difficult. I think teams will scheme to defend him um, well, I don't know. That's, that's a really difficult question to answer. I, I really think it's, it's, we're going to see essentially like, I don't know, 35% of possessions go to him and 35% of possessions are running through towns. And then the rest are kind of divvied up between, you know, D'Lo go bear pick and roll type of a thing because Anthony Edwards can do it all now. Like he is a legit three level scorer. Um, and he can run pick and roll. He's unstoppable on dribble handoff action. And I think they'll do a ton of that. Um, but then again, Carl Anthony Towns is also a three-level scorer. I think the difference is obviously Ant is a little more dynamic off the dribble um, and can just kind of overpower smaller players. And Towns isn't going to have as many, um, you know, I think they're going to, it's going to be really interesting to see how teams try and defend the Wolves now with with Gobert there for lobs as well. Um, but I do think, like, if, if, you know, if I had to pick gun to my head at first option in the offense, I think it's Anthony Edwards because he's so dynamic. He can do so much. He can score from anywhere on the floor. Um, and, you know, the that wasn't necessarily true as a rookie. I think we saw the development a little bit last year of the ability to pass the ball, you know, the wherewithal to find cutters, to find, um, you know, guys in the dunker spot when he's driving, he did, he didn't get tunnel vision as much as second year. And I, so I think Chris Finch is going to trust him a bit more to, to initiate offense. And if he's initiating, that means he's all have the opportunity to, to call his own number. I have him projected to have a slightly higher usage than Towns this season, so I am in yep. agreement with you that he will be probably that number one guy, and I think we're going to see some really big stuff happening from Anthony Edwards this season. It's going to be really intriguing to watch. So is he the guy that you would label as the breakout candidate on this team? Yes, I think so. Um, and I think it was it was kind of late last year when we really saw the the year mm-hmm. one to year two leap for Ant, and, and he's still not quite to the... Uh, to, to the superstar level yet. You know, he didn't make the all-star team last year. He was just barely on the outside looking in. He's been a half step behind LaMelo ball since, since their rookie seasons together. I think this is the year where he takes that step to become an all-star. Um, but the thing is that there really isn't a ceiling for Anthony Edwards. So, you know, even if it's just another mini leap, that mini leap takes him into all-star status. And then how far is it from there to, to true superstar status? Um, I, I think he's really knocking on the door of that already. Yeah, look, I don't think he's far away. And I think the it is hard to, to make the All-Star game. But the back end of the West in the All-Star wasn't particularly strong last season. Yes, Paul George and LeBron and Davis and Kawhi were all out. Um, but there is a chance for him to be able to push into that area um, for this coming season. What about on the other side of things? Who do you think might be a regression candidate? Um, I guess I would say... Well, I don't know. I, I guess I would say 
D'Angelo Russell. And I say that from a, I'm not necessarily saying he's going to have a, you know, a, a bad season, but I think in terms of his own usage and the amount of possessions he's able to use, um, which I guess is the definition of usage. I think that Anthony Edwards is going to have the ball in his hands more often. Obviously Rudy Gobert now is a, is a, is much more dynamic in the pick and roll than Jared Vanderbilt was. And, and the wolves, we haven't really talked about this yet, but the wolves essentially played Vando as a five last year anyway. So now you're Tom's basically played as a four most of the time. So you're basically subbing Gobert for Vanderbilt and say what you want about Gobert and, you know, only shooting the ball, you know, three feet from the rim, but he's more dynamic than Jared Vanderbilt. There's no question about that. Um, and so I, there could be some opportunity for, you know, more assists there from D'Angelo Russell in a, in a Gobert D'Lo pick and roll. But I just think when you've got Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, and now you add Gobert, who's going to get the ball more often than Vanderbilt within the offense. Um, I think D'Lo may get less shot attempts. And we saw that last year, his, his season was peaks and valleys. And overall it was one of his best seasons, either his best or second best. You know, he made it, made the all-star team in Brooklyn a few years ago, but you could argue in some ways last season was even better. Um, and I, I just think he's going to get less overall opportunities this year. Now it is also a contract year, which is the counterpoint there is, is like, Hey, you know, he's looking for an extension and could that be to the wolves detriment? If he's calling his own number too much, I don't know. Um, I, I think that'll be an interesting line uh, that Chris Finch and, and D'Lo have to walk and, and they have mutual respect. I think D'Lo likes playing for him a lot more than he liked playing for Ryan Saunders, the previous head coach. So I think it'll be okay. Um, but it, it's one of those things where it could, it could go sideways. Okay. I think this is an easy answer. Don't don't think about it too much. Are they better than last season? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. Right. Do you think they're they're top four in the West? Good. Uh, I think they could be. If I had to bet on it right now, I'd say yes. I've been kind of saying, you know, I haven't officially made my prediction yet, but I've been saying they're between three and five. Um, you know, there was some rankings that I think ESPN did their projections, and their panel had them like seventh in the West, which seems crazy to me. Um, I think enough teams either didn't do enough to improve or actually actively got worse. Um, you know, Denver's got major contributors coming back from injury and, and, you know, Dallas probably is worse losing Jalen Brunson. Um, I, I just, I think it's tough to see them below five. Um, so if, you know, if I had to guess, I'd say they finish in three to five. So, um, so yeah, I would, yeah, I would be. I think it would be a disappointment if they found themselves in the play-in. I think that's how, yes. again, I haven't done my season win projections yet, but that's how I would, um, that's how I'd be looking at it at this point, that in that in that top six is where they really should be looking to be. Who's the most likely player to be traded? Um, Man, that's a good question. I would say uh, if I had to pick somebody, probably, well, I said Nas Reed already, which maybe isn't fun because he's out outside the rotation. I'd say Nas Reed or Torian Prince. I don't think... Hmm. Um, you know, it's always possible Delo's traded, but you know, he's an expiring at the end of the year. So yeah. depending on how the first part of the season shakes out, it's possible he's traded, but if they're playing well, I, I see Connolly rolling the dice and just, you know, let's keep him and either resign him or let him go and, and take the cap space. You know, I, I, um, I, I think it's Nasri or Torian Prince and both of those guys are expiring as well. Prince has an option for next year. So I could see maybe a shuffle of the, of the bench rotation, you know, trying to find some roster balance there. Um, I guess the, you know, if you want a fun answer in terms of like guys in the top, like seven in the rotation, I, I guess I would have to say D'Lo. Yeah. I really can't see this team making a trade to be honest that they made that big trade. Yeah. They brought all those guys in in free agency. I think they just like to see what happens unless they get blown away by something for, you know, Hey, here's three seconds for Nazareed. And then we go, oh, maybe, but I don't, yeah. I don't really see that being something that's going to be prioritized. So let's move to a fun portion. Hopefully it's a fun portion of the show as we, I have a few quiz trivia questions for you. Now, you may or may not be aware of the website Basketball Index. 
Ben, where they have a bunch of uh, different sort of analytics. And there are three that we've been focusing on in these shows. Three-point shooting talent. It doesn't mean you're the best three-point shooter with percentage-wise. It's like volume and difficulty and the, the way they go in as well. So who's the guy? Like if you need a three, like who's the guy you want to go to? Whether that's, you know, a corner three, a pull-up three, off the dribble, off a screen, off movement, um, yeah, volume. Just who's the best three-point shooter? And same with playmaking. Not necessarily who's the best passer. It might be who gets the most assists. It might not be, but the guy who's getting guys open, who's having that gravity to be that best playmaker. And then finishing, which is not just offensive rebounds and putbacks because they're easy. It's getting to the rim. It's driving to the rim. It's creating shots through contact. It's yeah, putting pressure on the rim that way. So they're the three different metrics we've got here. This is based on last season, the, the grades that they were given at the Basketball Index site and, and all their stats. People think that I'm sponsored by Basketball Index. I'm not. I just like looking at these numbers. Um, all right. So who do you think graded out as the best three-point shooting talent on this team last season? As it- are these only players that are still that are on the team this season too? Yes. Okay. Um, Carl Anthony Towns. It was a tie between Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. I think okay. Edwards gets bumped up a little bit there because of the difficulty of his shots and yep. the, and the pull ups and you know, self created stuff. Whereas Towns is banging him in at such a high rate and high volume that that obviously puts those two guys together. What about as a playmaker? Uh, I'm gonna say. Let's say D'Angelo Russell. It was D'Angelo Russell. Two from two for you, Ben. This is a great start. Um, I reckon you might go three for three. What about finishing talent? Who has is the best finisher? Who has the highest finishing talent grade from last season? This is a tough one because D'Lo is famously not great at getting into the paint. Anthony Edwards isn't as good as you would think from a percentage standpoint within three feet. He, he's got to work on some things. McDaniels doesn't get there. Towns actually struggled with putbacks last year. Oh man. Um, part of me wants to say, well, I'll say Anthony Edwards. If it's not him, maybe Jalen Noel. I'm it, hedging. It was Anthony Edwards. And okay. it wasn't a particularly high grade. You're right. He wasn't that high. He was him, then Towns, then Russell in that in that metric. Um, but they weren't particularly huge through the roof numbers. Now the last trivia question, if you get this one, I'll be pretty impressed. All right. So D'Angelo Russell has played for four teams in his NBA career. Two seasons with the Lakers, two seasons with the Nets, three seasons with the Wolves, and one season with the Warriors. Which player has he played the most games with in his career? Hmm. I'm going to go with... Uh, man, is it somebody that's on the Timberwolves now? Can I ask you that? Um, you can, but I'm not going to answer that because yeah, <laughs> that's, that's part of the, the fun. Okay. Um I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Torian Prince. Hmm. It because is not, it I think they overlapped in Brooklyn. Let's have a look. I'm gonna I'm gonna go down. It's not Torian Prince. Prince is actually thirtieth on that list with D'Angelo oh. Russell. Okay. Number. I was surprised to see this. Number one was Jordan Clarkson, and I I, huh. I cannot believe that 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 is that is staggering to me that it was Jordan Clarkson. Well, but they didn't. They played in. Well, he's played the most games that he's played for a team is with the Lakers. He played 143 yeah, games with the Lakers. Yeah, I almost said Kobe, but I think they only played one year together. I think Kobe retired after his first year. Yeah, or, or Kobe missed a bunch of time in one of those years. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the fact that he's played 119 games in Minnesota in three seasons, and he yeah. played more games for Brooklyn in two years and more games for the Lakers in two years. Yeah. Um, 
well, I, I wasn't going to say Carl Anthony Towns because we, we knew that the two COVID shortened seasons, yeah, they both true. had, you know, overlapping injuries and all that stuff. That was kind of the thing going into last year. And um, yeah, so I knew it wasn't Towns. I guess I think I overthought the Prince thing. I, he may not have been in Brooklyn with Russell for that long, but yeah, um, that's incredible. Well, he, here's another incredible stat for you. Like, okay, Clarkson was one, Julius Randle was two, Joe Harris was three, Jarrett Allen was four. And wow. the fifth one was a Timberwolves player. Who is it? Um, let's see, he's been in Minnesota for three years. Uh, Josh Kogi. Naz Reed. Oh wow! Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that is that is actually that it is actually crazy. Doesn't actually mean anything, but it is wild to see that that the, the player he's played the most well, with in Minnesota is Naz Reed. Well, and that's and that's the story of Delo's career, right? I mean, yeah. like he showed some promise in LA. He had the one great season in Brooklyn, and then you know didn't get to play with Steph in Golden State, and yep. and so he's still kind of this weird. He's like one of those players that has this this. He's such an enigma in that there's there's tons of Delo stands that absolutely love him and they think he's the best thing ever, and then there's people that think he's awful. And obviously, the answer, as usual, is somewhere in the middle. Um, but it's it's crazy how polarizing he is as a player. He's going to be really interesting to watch this year, as is the entire Minnesota Timberwolves team. Ben, thanks for coming on Locked On Fantasy and talking about the Wolves. Um, tell us what you're doing at the moment over on Locked On Wolves and what people can uh, expect over the coming weeks. Yeah, for sure. Right now we're going through all the different, there's tons of projections out there and, and different sites that are ranking, you know, where where teams are going to be off seasons. There was just one we're going to talk about on Friday show, The Athletic, David Aldridge ranked the Timberwolves actually pretty highly. Most of the national folks are having a good time right now bashing on the Wolves for giving up as many picks as they did for Gobert. So I'm kind of like systematically um, tearing some of those arguments apart as best I can. You're like, hey, they're obviously better as we talked about earlier. Um, uh, so kind of going through those things and then we'll get into into some actual season preview stuff here shortly. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're like, what, a month away basically from training camp. So it's it's yep. going to happen quick. It is. So make sure if you want information on the Wolves, go check out Ben and the Locked On Wolves podcast. Ben, thanks for coming on Locked On Fantasy Basketball with me. Anytime. Thanks, Josh. And that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. You're on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave the comments down below. I've got no idea what show is going to come tomorrow, but there'll be something. Don't worry. And if you follow and subscribe, you're going to make sure you never miss out on one of those guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.